Welcome once again to this conversation. I'm your host, Teresa Keller, and my guest today is Rex Carter. Rex Carter is a candidate for sheriff in Washington County, Virginia. Do not tune out. There are issues in this race that will be interesting to anybody from anywhere. Rex is running as an independent. His opponent is incumbent Blake Andis, who is running as a Republican, and there is no Democrat candidate in this contest. First of all, let me just make a note that, of course, Sheriff Andis was invited to participate in this interview. If so, I would have divided the 30 minutes in half. He had told me that he was unable to participate. I expressed to him my disappointment uh, that a candidate you know, was not able to address voters, uh, but he was unable to participate. I'm very, very sorry about that. The result is that Rex Carter will get the full 30 minutes. Welcome, Rex Carter, to this conversation. Thank you. It's good to be here. Well, let's just have full disclosure here, which is that you were my student at Emory & Henry, and you graduated in what year? 1994. In 1994. So here we are. I can't do the math that quick, but all these years later. (laughs) Almost 30. Almost Almost 30 years. So I started harassing you, asking you questions, and challenging you almost 30 years ago. We're going to continue that today. Absolutely. Look forward to it. All right. So first of all, let's just get a minute on your background. You've been all around doing all kinds of things in the last 30 years. And it started when you graduated and worked in television, of all things. And how'd you get from television to law enforcement? (laughs) Well, I always had an interest in law enforcement. But of course, uh, my first adventure in life, of course, was with you in the Mass Comm Department, and so thankful to be back here on WEHC, and we actually did a little radio work. Uh, so once I graduated from Emory, I did work in television and radio uh, for a year or so, and then just pursued my interest in law enforcement. And at that time, I had actually applied for the U.S. Marshal Service and the Virginia State Police. Well, the State Police came along first, so so that was my uh, next chapter in life. Of course, while I was here at Emory, I met my wife. And uh, we've got a beautiful family. And so off we went on the state police route. And so I did that for a little over 20 years and then uh, early retirement. But then I got into uh, volunteering my time with Washington and Scott County Sheriff's Office. So for the last 27 years, I've got a lot of experience both on the state and local level. Uh, my regular day job, I guess you could say, for the last seven years was uh, I've worked in human resources and private security for a company in Bristol. So Do you that, mind saying what that company is? Sure. Universal Fibers. All right. And what does that involve? I've always been kind of curious, the HR thing. What, what all, mm-hmm. Was that a whole new area of training for you, or what all do you have to do in that role? Well, actually, my, my experience in human resources began some with the Virginia State Police when I worked in personnel division as a recruiter. And then so I took that experience, and as I'm working in private security uh, at Universal, so I'm responsible for the physical security and then also advise for our, our U.S. and overseas operations. But the human resources role, I work as a HR generalist, so I handle everything from the internal uh, policy procedures to um, you know, any kind of, of employee complaints, uh, also as well as our corporate sponsorship programs, just to name a few of the things. So you wear a lot of hats when you're in human resources. I guess the question that I have is when I think of human resources, I think of the person who hires and fires, well, not hires and fires, but runs through the policies and makes sure that everything is done legally. So that's the position, HR. Yeah, I do a lot of the onboarding as well. So a lot of the screening of the applicants and then those that we do hire, then I bring those in, we do orientation and we cover a a lot of the policy procedures for 
for the workplace. Why did you leave the state police? Well, I was offered the opportunity to Universal Fibers to really build their, their security. They never really had a security operations specialist. And so um, I became, I guess you could say, good friends with the CEO and several people there. And we began talking about really developing uh, safety and security for a manufacturing company. They never really had that. So really going to build it from the ground up uh, was a, was a, just a unique challenge. And so I saw it as an opportunity to really take what I learned from the state police and from the local level and then apply that into, into the private sector. Tell me a drama of your time as a member of the state police. I guess one of the most uh, tragic and yet memorable moments was where we responded to Virginia Tech. Oh. Uh, the, um, the, the horrific scene of uh, the uh, shooter, and we'll not mention his name to give him no credit, but uh, to go through the Virginia Tech campus and to see the uh, horrific tragedy of just multiple students that were shot and killed. Of course, there were some heroic stories that came out of that. You know, professor Labriscu uh, was, uh, was a professor who actually barricaded the door shut with his own body, uh, but it ultimately cost him his life as the shooter shot through the door. So, so to do the death notifications to family members, to work with those families during that week, that was probably one of the most uh, trying times, one of the most emotional times, uh, because really, you know, your heart breaks for, for the families. And to have to tell a mom or dad that, you know, your child was, was you know, killed at school, I mean, that's, uh, that's part of the burden of a job in law enforcement, and that's the, that's the unfortunate side. My goodness. Um, I don't think I was quite prepared for that <laughs> answer. Uh, Rex Carter, candidate for sheriff, you are running in the November election. Why are you running? Well, I have a passion to serve people, as I, as I have all along in, in any job that I do. But this really comes about because I see there needs to be positive change. We need professional leadership back in Washington County. We've seen too many issues that, have, that are hurting our communities, and those issues are not being addressed. And really, we've seen just, just uh, failed leadership. And so I believe that we can bring a much better, much more professional standard to the law enforcement community to help serve our citizens in Washington County. Well, again, I really regret that Sheriff Andes chose not to participate or said he was unable to participate so that he doesn't have a chance to re respond to this. Right. But you're talking about failed leadership. What are you talking about? Well, there's a, a, a significant list, but some of the highlights of that is, of course, there was the uh, unfortunate charge that was placed against a young lady who was a King University student, uh, Diane Bermio, uh, that is that, that led to uh, what led to her being charged was she had uh, made a statement that she was stopped on a traffic stop here in Washington County. She alleged that she was sexually assaulted, uh, contacted law enforcement, and then they uh, began an investigation. Now, what led to her getting charged as the victim was that. Uh, the, really the interview techniques and all that that the law enforcement employed led her to recant her statement. And then, then the current sheriff said, well, we're going to charge you for filing a false report. Now, what then happened is she was found guilty in general district court of making a false report to police about her being sexually assaulted by a supposed law enforcement officer. Uh, but then she appealed that to circuit court and was found not guilty. The circuit court judge says, no, there's some truth to her story, so therefore we find her not guilty. Now, that case then became the subject of a documentary on Netflix called Victim Suspect. And, and the documentary really highlights a systemic problem in law enforcement across our nation that many investigators will treat a victim of a sexual assault crime uh, as a suspect. And so 
so the problem there is that we've got to have better training on how do you properly interview a victim of a sexual assault crime versus a suspect who has committed a crime. And so, so there is an active federal lawsuit going on right now that's involving the current sheriff uh, with Miss Bermeo uh, over in the Western District of North Carolina. Uh, so that's just one of the issues that we've got to do better in training our folks. The second thing is now, Before you go to the second thing, I, I sure. wanted to get a little more specific about that so that people can see this. The, the documentary is called Victim Suspect, and this woman said that she was pulled over. It was dark and that uh, it went by a blue light, and she thought she was being pulled over by a sheriff's deputy. He told her to get out of the car. She didn't really get a look at him and that he assaulted her, and then she reports it. We don't have a lot of time on this, Rex, but— right. They the if you watch that documentary Victim Suspect Netflix you will see and there's there are clips because you have to record interviews with with people right right there 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 are there are actual uh, excerpts from interviews that the current sheriff and the investigators did with her and that is documented as well so so yeah people so should, you can see it you so can yes. watch it happening yes. and you can watch the officers lie to her about the evidence that they had and you can watch her just breaking down absolutely. So what would you have done differently? How would it have been different? Well, the sheriff's office didn't follow their sexual assault protocol policy. And you know, really, when you begin to think about it, uh, when somebody is under that traumatic amount of stress, you know, and when you have the evidence that, that okay, we're going to look for this, this suspect that's committed this crime. Well, they had a suspect, but they never went to interview the person. And that's Number one, if you have a suspect, go interview them. Somebody know? who had a record of impersonating a police officer. Exactly. And they didn't interview that exactly. person. Exactly. Really, to me, it's getting out, do the job, and do it right. You know, follow your protocol, follow your policy. Uh, you know, she was interviewed. Where was the, the, the victim advocate? You know, there was no victim advocate. Well, you've got to have that adv- advocate there with her, and, and, and it wasn't. So, you know, I think we've got to get back to the basics of doing the police work the right way. I interrupted you. You were starting to say we, I'd ask you what were the issues of lack of professionalism that you were you were talking about, lack of leadership, and that was the first one. You referred to victim suspect and that lawsuit that's Correct. ongoing. What were you getting ready to say before I interrupted you? Well, the other one is was the hiring of Austin Edwards, known as the Catfish Killer, and Austin Edwards was the deputy who was hired by Washington County Sheriff's Office, uh, who was employed for about nine days. And then he traveled to uh, Riverside, California, and he then subsequently murdered a woman and her parents. Now, the backstory on this was he was catfishing a young girl, 15-year-old girl. He was portraying to be a 17-year-old, and so he was having these conversations with her on the Internet uh, all the while that he was employed. Now, he was employed by the Virginia State Police to begin with, and the state police failed in their investigation to find a, a temporary detention order in the background. Virginia law says you you have a TDO in your background due to mental health. So a TDO, uh, by law, you cannot possess a firearm. So we go back to 2016. In 2016, Austin Edwards had attempted suicide, and he made threats to kill his father. Abingdon Police and Washington County Sheriff's Office show up. They take him into custody. He is then uh, placed under an ECO, which is an emergency committal order, that then uh, moves to a TDO, which by law says, okay, you are now being detained for mental health observations and issues, but by law, you cannot possess a firearm. Now, the only way he could get his rights back was if a judge were to say, yes, you can have, have a gun back. Judge never did that. 
So he was hired by the state police. The ECO was mentioned in his background, but the state police failed to dig deep to find the TDO. Fast forward, October 2022, Austin Edwards quits the Virginia State Police. He was actively being pursued and hired by the Washington County Sheriff's Office. Two and a half weeks later, we see him in uniform, badge, gun, working as a bailiff in the court. Then nine days from that, he is in California. He's in California with an issued badge and with a firearm given to him by Washington County Sheriff's Office. He never should have had that gun. He never should have had the credentials. He never should have been hired. And a lot of people will say, well, but the state police is to blame. Well, they're to blame for their part, but Washington County Sheriff's Office, look, let me let me be very, very clear on this. It doesn't matter if he left the state police, the DEA. It doesn't matter if he worked for Walmart. The Sheriff's Office should have done their due diligence to do a background check. Had they done it properly, they would have found the TDO, therefore... No firearm would have been in his possession. And the end of that story is he went to California pretending to be a 17-year-old to basically capture a 15-year-old that he'd been catfishing online. Correct. So what did he do? He set the place on fire. There were three people dead. Yeah, he used his credentials and identified himself as a detective from Washington County, gained entry into the house. Uh, The very horrific crime that he committed was he he put bags over the heads of the grandparents, suffocated them. The mother tried to fight back. He cut her throat, killed her, captured the the young lady. They get in a pursuit with uh, the sheriff's office, gets a pursuit with him there. He uses that firearm from Washington County to shoot at law enforcement and then ultimately took his own life. So you've got three people dead is what you've got. All right. You have made... uh two clear uh, accusations about lack of professionalism, and we've been focused on Sheriff Andes. Uh, Again, if anybody's just tuning in, I'm interviewing Rex Carter, candidate for sheriff in Washington County, Virginia. Uh, Rex, you're running as an independent. Yes. And I'm going to jump into an issue that probably is coming more from Democrats, and you will not be surprised to hear this. When I introduced the show, I said there are national issues in this race, and one of them that has come to the county is the question of religion in public office. Right. I know that you also are a Baptist preacher. Yes. And so some people are saying that Rex Carter is, he preaches against gay marriage. He's um, anti-gay. We can't trust him to enforce the law and be fair with people who are gay. So what is your response to that? Well, the office of sheriff and, and law enforcement in general you have to be able to respect people regardless of what their beliefs may be. You know, I have my personal beliefs. I have my personal convictions. Sure, we all do. They're, whether a person ascribes to faith, whether they ascribe to some level of moral consciousness, whatever it may be. I look at it this way. You have the right to choose to live your life how you see fit, whether I agree with it or not. But I bring that level of professionalism that Sure, we may disagree on our personal level, but the professional level is you deserve the services from law enforcement, from Washington County, as the next person, regardless of, of how you may identify. You know, I can I can have a, a wonderful conversation with somebody who they may be involved in a relationship. Personally, maybe I don't agree with, okay, but does that mean that I'm going to do any, anything less in service? No, it's not. You know, my personal faith is my personal faith. Yours is yours. And however you ascribe to that, that's how you do that. The First Amendment gives us those freedoms and gives us those protections. And that's what law enforcement, that's what being a sheriff is about. It's about being able to 
to respect one another, treat one another with compassion and kindness, but yet do the job of what the law says. If the law says that, look, speeding is, is wrong, don't speed. If, if you know, uh, using meth or selling meth, that's wrong, don't do that. You know, that's, you're going to violate the law, so therefore the law has to what? We have to enforce the law. Now, you know, when it comes to that, I, I, I am a, a strong person who supports the Constitution. I'm a person that's, that defends your right to the Constitution. You know, we did this um, several years ago as a state police chaplain, if you'll remember. It was in 2008 that, that I was directed by our, our superintendent that as a state police chaplain, I could not pray and mention God in prayer. Well, the problem with that is that violates my First Amendment right. And I told the colonel, and I told the governor, it may not suit your thought process. We may disagree on that, but I still have the right as a, as, a, as a citizen of this nation under the First Amendment to express my religious views. But how would that be different, Rex, if you were sheriff and, you know, the law of the land is we support gay marriage. The law of the land is, well, I don't know, state of Virginia law about transsexuals and bathrooms that, you know, there are provisions for people based on the gender that they claim. So why could you not say, well, it is my religious belief that this is a sin. And I want to follow up with that because this to me is the heart of it. Right. It, it seems to, to a lot of people really that people pick and choose the issues that they get overwrought about that it, it says very little about gay people in the Bible, Old Testament or New, very little. Right. And it has abominations. It has if you eat shellfish, if you plant crops beside each other, if you wear clothes of different fabrics, I mean, all these things. But people seem to choose the issue that they care about. Like, why is, why is being gay worse than eating shellfish if you're doing, looking at a biblical perspective? Right. Well, it, it really gets down to, to what, does, you know, what does your faith teach you? You know, if you ascribe to the Old Testament and New Testament aspects of the Bible, what does the Bible teach us? Yes, the Bible will say, okay, there, there are things that are right, there are things that are wrong. You know, we know that, that we, we have a, a loving Heavenly Father, you know, God our Father, and then we, we, have, uh, we have the other side of it that, well, you know, God is displeased with things that he says are wrong. Okay, but when it comes to the office of sheriff, you know, what I'm looking at is, Regardless of a person's you know, personal belief or, or ideology, do you think that at 2 o'clock in the morning when somebody's kicking in your door and you need the police, am I going to stop and say, well, wait a minute, how does this person identify? No. Uh, if somebody is trying to you know, raise your property taxes, for example, uh, who are you going to call? You're not, going to, you're not going to call the White House. You're not going to call your congressman. You're going to go down to the county office building. You want to speak to the board of supervisors or the, the, the county commissioner of revenue or you know, the treasurer. And so it really gets down to, to what do the services that law enforcement offers to people, are we doing that in a fair and equitable manner? Yeah, and it really it's that, that equality across the board that we need to pursue. Okay, i got to ask you this. When you were praying in God's name mm-hmm. as a chaplain, you were employed by the government. Right. Is that not the same reason that we say teachers do not lead prayer in schools? Because teachers represent the government. And if I'm a teacher and I pray and I say in God's name or in Jesus' name, amen— I'm representing the government. It appears that the government 
is choosing a religion. In the Commissioner of Revenue's office, I had this interview with current Commissioner Mark Matney. He has Bibles on the counter. Does that not appear that you, the government, are saying this is the religion that we're presenting to you? Mm-hmm. It, it, it can be construed that way. And, and in that aspect, you know, when you look at, at what, what he chooses to do with his office versus what someone else may do with their office, you know, whenever, uh, as a chaplain at that time, whenever we would pray, you know, if I'm, if I'm counseling with someone uh, in private or if we're asked to, to open a certain ceremony in prayer, then, you know, one of the things that we fought for, for two years was that, you know, a, a chaplain should be able to pray as their faith and conscience dictates. Uh, that's still our individual liberty and our individual right. Yes, I would be in uniform. Yes, I would be a, an agent of the government. But my, my personal faith doesn't end with that. My personal faith is what, is what encompasses within that role. So whenever, whenever I would pray and you know, we would pray for a you know, graduation ceremony or something along those lines, you know, this is how I choose to pray. If somebody doesn't want to pray along with me, okay, that's fine. They don't have to. Uh, and, and I think that's where, where it gets into the issue of am I pushing my faith on someone versus am I just exhibiting and representing the faith that I adhere to? And I think that's, that's the fine line. And the same thing in, in the sheriff's office. You know, I've had this question asked, well, how are you going to, to be sheriff with, your, with your, your Christian values? I'm like, well, look, you know, my Christian values are mine, and they are mine alone. Yes, they, they give me that, that moral sense of consciousness uh, and of what I should do, what is the difference between right and wrong. But if you come to me and, and if you, and, you know, uh, yes, Dr. Kelly, how can I help you today? So, well, I have this issue. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, you have to fill out this questionnaire of, you know, who are you? What do you believe? And all this. And then it will decide if we're going to you know, offer you a service. No, you have a need. We're going to meet that need. It is a fine line. And, you know, if you are in a public office and this, we have this exact issue in the county and somebody comes in or an employee and you say, I've got a preacher coming to talk to you, and that employee may not be technically required, but feels required to attend. And then this is the thing that's the the issue of government and religion. Yes, everybody has a right to have their religion, and they also have a right to be free from government religion. And people say that they believe in Christianity. Do we want Christians in charge? Well, do we want Baptists? Do we want Catholics? Do we want <laughs> Methodists? Do we want Mormons? I mean, there right. are so which, many. Which one do you want? Which variety right. of Christianity and, do you want? You know, and here's I, I've met so many people in in my in my jobs across you know across Virginia. I've met some folks that, you know, in some of the finest details, we may not agree theologically on a couple of things, but they are fabulous people, and and they 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 they, they are so so passionate about what they believe. And, and that's the beauty of our nation. That's the beauty of, of, our, you know, of, 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 our, of our Constitution, that if I, if I don't agree with you, okay, but can we still have a good conversation? Sure yes. we can. Yeah. All right. We're going to segue a little bit out of this because this All is right. not theology you know, right. 101. But, right. um, sheriff's race. Here we go. Yeah, sheriff's race. And, but it does dovetail on the issue of religion because you think of Christianity as love and peace and loving everybody and taking care of people. And in the world you're seeking to lead, 
your thing is force. It is. It requires at sometimes right. force, guns, violence, maybe even shooting people. Like in the Virginia Tech thing, it's the first responders, the law enforcement people who rush into the gunfire exactly. versus you know while everybody else is running away from the gunfire. Has that been a struggle for you? Is that a challenge for you in any way? Well, it's a challenge in that you you never want to have to take another life. If this were you know life and death situation, and yeah, you know, and, and it's required of you to to perform that that act that could lead to the to the serious bodily injury or death of somebody. Yeah, that's always going to be difficult. But that's why law enforcement is not for everyone. And and I, I, I when I was a recruiter for the Virginia State Police, I told people, look, I'm not going to talk you into this job. I will answer your questions. I will help you. But you have to know that this is a calling in your life to serve other people, to protect those who cannot protect themselves. And that is so very, very important. Yes, it is a difficult thing to do. But bottom line is when you look at society today, uh, and and Lieutenant Dave Grossman writes in, in a couple of his books, and I've heard him speak, he talks about those people who are the wolf and those who are the sheep. And then in the middle are the sheepdogs. You know, the wolf, that's the evil, that's the, the child predators, that's the molest, that's the ones that, that are the abusers and the drug dealers. Those are the ones that are, are hurting our families and our communities in Washington County. You've got the sheep. They like to go to work. They want to get their coffee from Starbucks. They want to, they want to find a good deal at Walmart. You know, they, they want to pay the bills and have a good, successful, quiet, peaceful life. But then you have the sheepdogs. Now, the sheepdog, as Lieutenant uh, Colonel Grossman defines, is this. The sheepdog is the one who has the same propensity of violence as the wolf, but yet they they care for the sheep. They are that protector, and that's where law enforcement falls in in line, that we are the protector of those who, who want that peaceable life, and we stand between those that choose to do evil and those that want peace. And so that's that's really the, the, the hard spot to be in because law enforcement these days seems like it's, it's a profession that's just taking that, that, that beating, you know, uh, but yet, you know, we've got good men and women in the sheriff's office who, who just need good leadership to be those sheepdogs to protect the innocent. And we've got to be able to, to find those men and women to do that. And that's one of the things I want to, I want to diversify our agency, you know, as far as, you know, minority and women go in, in the Washington County Sheriff's Office, there are no women on patrol in patrol division. You have a very, very small amount, maybe two or three people that are African-American. We need to diversify. Why? Because we see our population in Washington County diversifying as well. And we've got to meet that need, and we're not doing it. Well, uh, you kind of jumped the gun on. I was going to wind up the, with my last question is, in addition to what you just named, what would be policies? What would be visions? What other kinds of things do you want to hit the ground on day one and change? Well, we've got to revitalize our, our neighborhood watch programs. Right now, our communities are forgotten. We see the increase in crime. Crime went up 21% in 2020. Uh, we've seen the increase of illegal drugs coming through. Meth and fentanyl, are it's tearing our communities apart. So we also want to implement resources for senior citizens. You know, we've got an aging population who need uh, information and guidance uh, on certain issues such as you know, phone and mail scams. And so I want to work with the Attorney General's office to bring uh, good resource information through the Triad program. You know, but really, we've got to promote financial accountability of taxpayer money. It's not my money. It is yours. It's the taxpayers. And so that's another issue we've got to look at is cutting wasteful spending of department money. But here's another big issue that's really on the horizon. 
and that is that we've got to increase training for deputies to handle mental health cases. We're seeing an increase of those, and we've got to have our deputies better trained on how to handle these cases. So we've got a lot of things ahead for us to do, but I'm up to the challenge, and I'm excited for, for our election day. I want everybody to get out and vote. Thank you very much, Rex Carter, candidate for sheriff in Washington County, Virginia, the November the 7th election day. Uh, early voting is open at the registrar's office Monday through Friday, and I think as of next Saturday, uh, it's open on Saturdays. And once again, I regret that uh, Sheriff Andes, the Republican incumbent, was unable to participate in the interview to share his views. You've been listening to this conversation on WEHC 90.7 and WISE in Wise, Virginia, and you can rehear this, if you like, by searching on your podcast engine, WEHC, This Conversation. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you, Rex Carter. Thank Thank you. you to the listeners. And please stay tuned to this fine station.